Law and Liberty. This is a Reconstructionist radio production. Please visit calcedon.edu to download this book or purchase a physical copy. Law and Liberty. Russus J. Rushdoony. Copyright 1984 and 2009. Alicito, California. Chapter 18. The Foundations of the Family. The foundation of family and marriage in contemporary thinking is romantic love. The motivation which brings two people together to unite in marriage is very commonly romantic love, and too often little else. Romantic love as the motive of marriage is not a new force in history. It has a long history behind it. In Roman history, even more plainly, sexual love was held to be, by the third century of the Christian era, the best reason for marriage. In terms of this idea of marriage, it was expected that the man rival the gods as a great lover, while the woman was expected to out-Venus Venus. Technique in marriage was held to be everything, and anyone not interested in sexual sophistication was despised as an amateur. Instead of increasing marital happiness, this Roman emphasis on sexual love only intensified marital disharmony and increased the breakdown of marriage and family. Simultaneously with this Roman development of sexual love as the ground of marriage, there was a growing contempt for an attack on the institution of the family and marriage by the intellectuals. People who were happily married were looked down upon as socially stupid and insensitive people. Somehow, misery and trouble were associated with sensitivity in the minds of these intellectuals, and they tended to parade real and pretended griefs and problems as a sign of their superiority. These attitudes have recurred repeatedly in Western cultures in the medieval period, the Renaissance, the Enlightenment, and today. The intellectual stance is again one of disdain. The Kinsey reports and other similar ostensibly scientific studies clearly illustrate the intellectual pose. The intellectuals are very clearly anti-family, and they are also on the whole statist. Their answer, not only to the family, but to most human problems, is love. Love as a panacea, a cure-all. This love can be applied by status coercion or by individual action, but the answer is, we are told, simply love. This means, as applied to the family, that the family can be legitimately established if love exists, and the family can be broken where love ceases to exist. In saying this, these self-styled leaders are aware that they are weakening the structure of the family, but they can make it clear that they do not want the family to exist on anything except this foundation of love. The husband, wife and children have a right to this magical thing called love. Now, that love has its place in the family and in life generally, the Bible clearly recognises, but it does not permit love to become so basic to the family or to life. More than love, a family needs a godly law structure, an order, discipline and security that comes from knowing that God's word is paramount in all things. A father or mother may love their child very earnestly, but of what use is that love and what help if the father fails to support the child or is an alcoholic? And what value is a mother's love for a child if that mother fails to feed the child properly or regularly or provide it with the necessary attention, education and care? The cocoon in which the child grows and flourishes is a stable home, 
in which the child's need for food, clothing, shelter, discipline, teaching, faith and motivation are conscientiously and faithfully met. It is this that spells love to a child. The Bible says very plainly, quote, Love is the fulfilling of the law, end quote, Romans 13, 10. Love, then, is more than the sexual passion and the emotional attachment that Romanticism talks about. Love is the fulfilling of the law, God's law. Thus, when the intellectuals with their shallow thinking offer us love as the foundation of marriage, they're not talking about love, but attraction. Love cannot be separated from the law. Where love truly enters into a marriage, there is respect for and an obedience to God's law. This means that the marriage is within the faith with a fellow believer, so that husband and wife are united, first of all, in terms of a common faith and obedience to God. Love, in this biblical sense, means, moreover, that the basis of the marriage and of the new family is not personal, but Christian. In romantic love, the family is started when romantic feeling draws a man and woman together, and it ends with the death of those feelings. Marriage is thus made a purely personal affair. But the family is a God-given institution, and it is the basic social institution. No decision concerning the family, therefore, can be purely personal. At all times the family is under God's law, and its beginning and ending must be in terms of obedience to God's law. This brings us to a very curious fact. These intellectuals are predominantly socialistic, and their approach to most problems is to stress the collective responsibility and the collective answers. But when they approach religion, morality, marriage and the family, they tell us that these are purely personal questions, not social or collective problems. Why this curious inconsistency? The answer is that they are by no means inconsistent. Their purpose is to abolish biblical religion and morality. Therefore, they banish it from social life and society by insisting that it is a purely personal and private affair. Similarly, by making the foundation and the grounds of marriage, family and divorce purely personal, they are, in effect, destroying the family since they deny to it its proper social role. Contempt of the family goes hand in hand with contempt for religion and morality. The breakdown of faith is also the breakdown of the family. The relationship of religion, morality and the family is a vital one. Whenever statism attacks religion, morality and the family, it unleashes against them the forces of anarchism. Anarchism thus is the perennial ally of totalitarian statism. The elite who dominate the state are men beyond the law who can govern the world according to their imaginations and concentrate power in their hands to that end. Carl C. Zimmerman in Family and Civilization has given, page 639, a telling picture of Homer's world. Quote, the human values common men now prize so highly are non-existent in Homer. The great in Homer are a few well-born and vigorous freebooters who dominate the rest of society according to their own whims. No important Homeric character is concerned with what becomes of the poor and defenceless masses. End quote. The leaders of our day are more sophisticated. They talk about these values even as they gut them. They claim to be the men most concerned over man's plight, even as they callously use men to further their own power. The family can prosper 
if its foundations be solid. And the true foundation of the family is in Christian faith, firmly and solidly grounded in Scripture. And today, it is the family which is bypassed and neglected in our education. The family, society's most basic institution, is only a minor part in our education and in our thinking. But more than that, for the Bible, sex is legitimately associated only with the family. Whereas for contemporary thinkers, there is a radical separation and disassociation of sex and marriage. For example, in the second Kinsey report, the family is scarcely mentioned. There is a reference or two to the family at the beginning of one chapter, but only as a prelude to discussing sex, not the family. In the other reference, we are told that certain, quote, animals travel in family groups or packs, end quote, so that the reference is to animals, not to man or the family. This is fairly typical. Today, sex is considered in atomistic and anarchistic isolation from marriage in the family, and this is a deliberate and revolutionary disassociation. There is a deliberate cultivation of anarchistic and atomistic individualism, and it is the anti-family atomistic individual who is most congenial to collectivism, because he is at least under law in his own life. Anarchism and totalitarianism are both destructive of law and are triumphs of lawlessness. The Christian family is basic to God's law order for man. The family is established by God for the welfare and happiness of mankind. The godly family is promised numerous blessings in scripture, long life, children, prosperity and much more. According to the Bible, man's truest life is in community and the God-given community is first of all the family. Psalms 127 and 128 both celebrate the blessedness of godly family life and many of the Proverbs resound with its praise. Quote, Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion, and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children, and peace upon Israel. End quote. Psalm 128, 4-6 The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom.